I got a message in my inbox from like the Veterans Administration and they had this surfing camp, this surf therapy camp for veterans down in South Carolina. So that, yeah, man. Yeah, it's called the Warrior Surf Foundation and it's really cool. There's this guy named Andy Mozzie who had been like um, a Marine and um, he started this amazing organization where they do like therapy for um, veterans um, with PTSD and TBI and things. And then they teach you to surf. Hello, Saltwater High. This is Double D coming at you from Ojai, California. Today was a very good day. I I just got out of the water in Ventura where I surfed some kind of smaller waves on my Roberts floaty. Big shout out to Roberts. I'm really loving that board. Today we have Tracy Hines on the podcast. Tracy is a U.S. national canoe and kayak champion. And she was also selected for the Olympic team. How cool is that? But what she's been doing now is surfing. And she talks to us about her recent trip to Costa Rica and how she found surfing through a through a, um, a veterans association, which I think is really cool, right? We, we're seeing a lot of um, surf therapy happening in the world today. And I've interviewed quite a few people that are using surf, surf therapy. And I think, you know, surfing is therapy definitely for all of us every time I go in the water I always feel better when I come out so my hat's off to anybody that's using surfing to really lead a better life sit back relax and enjoy this conversation with Tracy Hides saltwater hi welcome Tracy Hines to the podcast how are you Tracy I'm doing great Awesome. Awesome. So what's happening over there? We're, you're on the, you're on the East coast. I'm on the West coast and, well, uh, yeah, what's happening? Well, I've been, uh, here for the past, uh, few, few months here, uh, helping my dad on his farm. I just, nice. uh, this past year I, uh, had a great experience. I went down to Costa Rica and, uh, started, I was surfing down there and I actually have filed for residency. So I'm going to be an official Costa Rican resident. And, uh, wow. few, yeah, so I'm going to be able to surf the awesome waves they have there every single day and eat awesome tacos. <laughs> nice. And how does one become a resident? What's that process like? Well, basically, it's really interesting. Um, there's several ways you can do it. Um, they have a new way that you can uh, get it now with the digital nomads can get it. Uh, people that uh, purchase property can get it. Real uh, uh, business investors and I got it because I uh, for what they call the pension auto visa. Um, I'm a disabled veteran and I get a veterans benefit check, so I made enough money. Uh, with my veterans benefit check to meet the threshold. And so I can be a Costa Rican resident. And so basically. That's awesome. what I had, yeah, yes. that's great. 
so I had to get an FBI so what, background. What part check. of Costa Rica are you, have you? Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what I'm did they not, find? Anything good? No, great news. <laughs> not wanted by the FBI. So this is huge. This is huge. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was looking at your your history. So you were a US Army airborne soldier. Tell tell me a little about what 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 is that exactly? So what it is is the um airborne force basically it was started back, you know, in the 40s and um uh basically it's it's a big tradition in the army. And so um, basically they deploy troops from an aircraft. So I got to jump out of a moving aircraft. Um, I packed parachutes. My MOS was 92 Romeo parachute rigger and I rigged a heavy drop load. So, um, I got to jump out of a moving aircraft and it was really fun. And, um, so yeah. Wow. Is that how you got injured? That is how I got injured. Um, you said I, you were, yeah, yeah. And so I got, yeah. I got a, I injured my uh, lower extremities, and uh, I got a traumatic brain injury while I was in the service. And um, so yeah, so I got to get they retired. The army retired me because I couldn't do my job anymore, um, and that was it. Wow. You you have to go if you look at my podcast list. I interviewed a guy. I think it's around ten or so who jumped out of an airplane and his parachute didn't open, and so he actually he hit the ground. Um, you know, basically with no no opening parachute, and he tells the whole story in the podcast, which is absolutely incredible because he goes on to. Well, obviously to live because we had the podcast and he's now surfing, living in Bali and living this, you know, great life. And he said it was a it was a game changer for him. So um, you might you might enjoy that one being an ex uh, uh, army ranger. You know, um, you know, malfunctions are more common than you might realize. I I actually met a guy the other day who had been. um airborne infantry uh soldier and he had a malfunction as well and he collided with the jumper in the air and you know they he had to be retired from service and he was just fine like i was talking to him at the gas station so you know it it uh it's pretty amazing what the human body can survive you know and and go on and 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 do and i was really grateful to have uh you know, survive my injury and be able to sort of, you know, be just fine and, and kind of move on with my life and have a, a great, a great life afterwards. So it's great. Yeah. And it continues, it sounds like. So interestingly, so you, you left the army, then you went to college, you got your MS and then you, you were uh, an Olympic kayaker. Tell me, like, how did that come about? Was that something you've been doing since you were a kid or well, something? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, I started kayaking when I was like 16. And I always was pretty athletic and I ran cross country and track. And this man from my parents' church um, tipped me kayaking and I fell in total love with the sport and the water. Um, and so, um, 
you know, when I was 18 and graduated high school, I sort of like, uh, everybody says like, I like ran away from home and became a whitewater rafting guide, which is kind of true. So I, I left Alabama and went to uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and I got a job as a whitewater rafting guide. And like a few years later, um, I made the U.S. freestyle kayaking team. And um, I competed for several years on the freestyle team. And then um, I ended up joining the Army. What's the freestyle? So freestyle Yeah, kayaking, what's the freestyle team? Uh, basically, freestyle yeah. kayaking is – um, it's very similar to like, um, like a way, like the, uh, like a surfing competition where you do tricks and things and mm. you get, um, you get scored for the tricks that you do. And, um, and so I did that for several, several years and, um, and then I, I did some extreme kayaking and other, you know, different, different just anything, anything in a boat. And I started racing and uh, then I joined the army. And when I got out, okay. um, what was, um, really cool was, um, I got this job at a, a private school and they needed a canoe and kayak coach. And so I started working with the kids and I had to kind of up my own training and then there was an opportunity open available for uh, women in the C1 category because they were including uh, this boat into the Olympic program. It's, it's just going to be in the Olympics this year. And so they were trying to develop the category, and we didn't have a whole lot of women in the U.S. competing in that category. So... Um, you know, I trained up and I made the U.S. team in the boat, and uh, I raced at the international level for several years. Uh, raced all around the world. I raced in Europe. I raced uh, at a world championship in the United States, and um, it it was it was a great experience. Um, and uh, yeah. What what was the hardest? course or uh i don't know what you call them rapids that you ever experienced well um for racing i would say one of the harder courses to race is actually there is a slalom course in charlotte north carolina at the u.s national whitewater center and it's a pretty tough course and then there was a course in Italy, uh, the uh, the Ivrea course, which was really difficult. And then, of course, uh, it was uh, a natural course, and it was like running a steep creek. But as far as um, whitewater goes, just me paddling whitewater, running big rapids, um, I've run a lot of different rivers, and everything – differs by level. So it's like, you know, my home run, um, for a while I was living in West Virginia and, um, I have a home run at the upper golly and, you know, when it's at normal flow, 2,800, it's not so difficult. And then like at really high water, it's, it gets crazy. So, so rivers are like that, you know, it's, it's kind of like the ocean yeah. in a way where, you know, you could have a flat, calm day and then you have a hurricane, 
you know, and it's like the waves are huge, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so at what point did you make a transition? Cause obviously you have a deep love for water, which is very apparent in your history, but at some point you you either put the kayak aside for a minute or, and you grabbed a surfboard. So tell me a little bit about how that happened. So a little, so this is kind of a cool story. So I had this really good friend, um, that was on, had been on the freestyle team with me for years and years. And, uh, his name was, uh, Barry Kennan and he had started sup paddling, stand up paddle boarding. And, you know, he was telling me all about this and he'd post all his videos of like stand up paddle boarding, you know, on his Instagram and his Facebook page. I was like, man, Barry, that looks so cool. And he's like, well, you need to try it. And I was like, well, I don't know. I just want to try surfing. And so he said, well, I have this sponsor and he had this sponsor that made stand up paddle boards and river surfboards. So, I, you know, reached out to the, uh, to the sponsor and, um, I said, Hey, I'd like to buy one of these river surfboards, you know, Barry sent me and he said, yeah, so he, you know, the guy sent me a, a surfboard for the river. And so that entire summer, cause I was like, I, I, when I take to want to learn some, I'm going to do, I'm going to jump in whole hog. And so I was in <laughs> no. West Virginia. And so what I would do is all my friends that were like going out on, you know, like rafting. Cause there are a lot of people that I know have their own, even though they work in the whitewater industry, they have their own raft. And anytime anybody was going out on a raft, I would like say, Hey, let me hitch a ride. So I would hold on to my surfboard and they would take me down the new, you know, in Gali rivers. And anytime I'd see a wave, I'd just jump out and try to surf it, you know? And, you know, I had some really cool adventures, you know, and then I got, um, you know, I met up with some people in the local area that had been starting to river surf. And so they would actually drive in with four wheel drive vehicles and they would, um, you know, we would hike a mile in with our surfboards and to this um, rapid called Diagonal Ledges on the Gali. And this thing, it like the right flow makes the best, most glassy wave that you can literally surf on a surfboard with. And so wow. I started learning to surf. Well, then I was like, well, you know. So this is on a river, right? This was on a river. This was on a river. This was on a river. And then I said, okay. well, you know, I want to learn how to ocean surf. And so I went down to Florida that winter. And I, there was this guy named John, you know, I like looked up surf instructors cause I wanted some formal instruction. And there was this guy named John and he'd been an air force veteran. He was an air force veteran. And I said, okay, I'm going, I'm going to go with this dude. Cause he'd competed some. So John gave me a surfing lesson and I learned a lot from him. And then, you know, I stayed like three weeks, you know, down over down in Cocoa beach and I surfed and, you know, at the jetty and I just, you know, you know, was learning, you know, just, you know, what I could and John was teaching me. And then I came back to West Virginia and, you know, that, that summer I got this, which was really cool. I got a 
message in my inbox from like the Veterans Administration, and they had this surfing camp, this surf therapy camp for veterans down in South Carolina. So that, that is awesome. Yeah, I had that, no idea they had that. Yeah, yeah. it's called the Warrior yeah. Surf Foundation, and it's really cool. There's okay. this guy named Andy Mozzie who had been like um, a Marine, and um, he started this amazing organization where they do like therapy for um, veterans um, with PTSD and TBI and things. And then they teach you to surf. And so it was really exciting because um, I just spent, I just, I just went down and I spent the whole summer down in South Carolina last year. And I just, I just learned to surf basically down there. And those guys, um, it was really cool because Andy and then the head surf instructor, Aaron, had been like this green beret. And what's so crazy, man, is you look at these two dudes and it's like, you seriously are in the military? Because they look like a couple of hippies now. They got long hair and they've totally embraced right. the lifestyle. Yeah. And Aaron had this big old beard that I swear a bird lived in, you know, and it was like, the dude was <laughs> awesome. And we would sit and like, you know, Aaron actually... This guy was an amazing instructor because he had actually been um, um, they had him for a while teaching, like doing weapons training, you know, and um, he would teach like people, um, you know, because of his advanced weapon skills as a Green Beret. He would teach people from like all the surface services how to like. Cause not everybody, just cause you're in the military, you don't always like fire your, your weapon all the time. And he was telling me this one time he had to teach this female officer how to use like her hand, her handgun. And, you know, he, it was a struggle cause her hands were too small, you know, for the, and so mm. the great thing about Aaron was that he had this innate skill for explaining things very simply and in a very detailed manner so you could really understand it. And so basically every day I go out surfing with Aaron and he would explain every detail about the waves and the ocean and how the rip currents worked. And he gave me such a detailed explanation of everything that you know, when I started really surfing on my own and when I, you know, went to Costa Rica, um, you know, I, I took a surf camp there with the Witches Rock, but then after I stayed in, um, Tamarindo for like about, um, about a month. And then in, um, February I went over to Dominical, which Dominical those waves there are like enormous and just getting out the back in Dominical, you're just like paddling like a fiend, you know, and you're having to really read the currents or you're just mm. going to get a beat down. And so, um, Aaron really gave me a lot of good preparation to understand the, you know, how the current worked and everything. And, and I was able to surf in some pretty big surf after that. And, I just, I got totally, That's awesome. man, I got hooked on it. I got hooked on surfing, like, like nobody's <laughs> business. And it was such a different thing than kayaking because 
Mm. Like I didn't need all this, the stuff you need, like kayaking, you need like a life jacket and a helmet and a, and you know, the other thing is when you're learning to kayak and you swim, it's drama because your boat fills with water and you've got to chase it down this river that's moving. But when you're learning to surf and you swim off your board, because even people that are highly skilled are going to wipe out eventually, you know, you fall off the board and a lot of times, you know, you've got your leash, you can pull it back to, you can get back on it. And it's like, it, it's, it's just a different, it, it's, it seems like it just felt so free, you know, surfing, you know, and it felt, it was mm. a different, mm. like surfing, I always surf waves in my kayak, but surfing, but it's like you're confined in this little thing, this little box almost, but surfing, my legs were free. I'm standing up on the board. Mm. I'm, I'm able to feel my whole body. And it's really um, an awesome experience, you know? And so. Yeah. Do, you, do you think, do you think it's similar to jumping out of a plane in some ways? You know, it kind of, there's a little bit <coughs> of it that it is because um, actually when you're kind of like wiping out or you're falling off the board, a lot of jumping out of a plane, believe it or not, is of course falling, but it's landing too. So you do this thing, you have to land eventually. And you do this like uh, maneuver called the parachute landing fall. And, you know, if you, you want to do that correctly, because if you don't, you're going to, especially with the round shoot, you're going to like injure yourself. So what's really cool is I had a lot of experience learning how to fall on the ground. Like I was formally trained by the United States Army on how to fall correctly. So I didn't hurt myself. So I was able to use some of those same skills, you know, surfing when I'm falling off my board and how to, you know, fall safely and I think, you know, it, there is, there is some transferability and then the balance, um, there's a lot of balance associated with surfings and, you know, just kind of learning that balance and, and being able to feel your feet underneath you is, mm. I think that, I think that was something that I, I think, you know, now that you're saying it, I think that is something that did transfer over a little bit from my military training. And so it's really yeah. exciting. Sounds like you, 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 you really took to it very quickly. You know, I also saw you sent me a picture of you on a skateboard. So you're, it looks like you're riding anything you can find pretty much. You know, I bought <laughs> that skateboard. Check this out. So when I was a kid, like, you know, I'm, you know, like, my mother wouldn't let me have a skateboard because she was afraid that I was going to get hurt. She said, you can't have a skateboard. You can't have a motorcycle. And I'm like, and I mean, this was, this was a big deal. And I wanted one so badly. And I said, well, you know what? I'm an adult now. And like last year when I went to South Carolina, there's a, there's a shop down there and they sell surfboards and skateboards. And I saw that board and it was like a sector nine longboard. And I said, I'm getting it. And, you know, so I got that board and, you know, I have been practicing riding it and it's really helped my surfing, you know, cause I'll get out there. Cause when I'm, you know, like yeah. I'm here at dad's and even though like there's flat water down near me, the nearest beach is in Virginia beach, which is 80 miles away. But 
I can go out to the road and take my skateboard every day and do a little, I do a little skateboard longboard session Mm. and that skateboard just brings so much like joy. It's like Mm. I take, I take 30 years off my age every time I get on that board. I mean, it's like, it just (laughs) fills my heart with glee. Like I'm a little child, you know, like having so much fun, you know? Yeah. that's awesome. I'm going to go out and buy a skateboard as soon as this is over. Dude, what's uh, what's Virginia Beach like? Virginia <laughs> Beach is really, it's it's really cool. So what's cool about Virginia Beach is there is this military installation called the Damn Neck Annex. And so it, it's right there on the beach. And so you can go to the Damn Neck Annex and surf and there's it's not crowded at all. And so because it's like... Okay. It, there's not a lot of people now virginia beach proper there there's three or four places to surf there's the pier and then there's this jetty and then there's like first street so there's several places to surf and they get some pretty good surf down there it's not like big but it's great for longboarding and then sometimes i'll also like what i'll do when i'm leaving uh, when i'm going on my surf trips from dad's is I'll go hit Virginia Beach first. So first, I'll go hit the Damn Neck Annex to see what's going on there. Right down the road, there's Croton. And so I'll go down to this, you know, go down to that beach area there and surf a little bit. Then I'll go down and surf, you know, because the different times of day, these areas get good, you know. And then I'll go over to the first, I'll go down to First Street and surf. And then what I'll do is I'll get back in my um, van and I'll go down to Cape Hatteras. And so usually when the waves are pretty like maybe two or three feet at, um, at Virginia Beach, they're like four feet down at Cape Hatteras because it's like right there on the Cape and it gets mm. some good winds. And there's some really good down at the lighthouse, really good surfing there. And then if I'm really feeling it. Does it get crowded or? Well, actually, um, Cape Hatteras isn't always too crowded. Like, because there's so many surfing spots all the way down. Like, it's 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 like mm. you you start at, like, Rodathane Pier and you go all the way down to the lighthouse and it sort of disperses the people out, you know. And there's some good waves mm-hmm. down there. And there's free camping. This is the kicker. Well, not free, but it's like, hmm. it's sort of, free. it's cheap, very cheap. And they don't really check too much. So it's, you know, right there at the lighthouse. So basically you can set up your camp and then like, a mo- you know, go right down the road and surf right there at the lighthouse. And so it's really good. Hmm. And another place it's very really cool. good is, Seb- I, I just got back from a trip down to Sebastian Inlet in Florida and uh, there's this campground down in Sebastian Inlet that at the marina that I stayed in. And I could, what was cool is I, the marina, I could do my stand up, I could stand up paddleboard in the morning and then in the afternoon or vice versa, I could walk right across the street to Spanish House. And it's just right across the road. And it's some of the bluest water I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, it's good surf down there. And wow. so, cause we just had a hurricane. There was just a little like tropical storm hurricane and there was some good waves yeah. down there. 
And so. Nice. Um, Very cool. So how did you get to Costa Rica? What was, how did you even decide to, you know, like take a trip down there? Or how'd that all come about? Well, so this is kind of well. So right after my um, surf camp, the veteran surf camp, I decided to go back to graduate school. And so I went, I went to um, this school in um, like Charleston, South Carolina. And it was like, it was like this military type school, you know, like this kind of uh, military school. And what they had was they had this program in like tactical strength and conditioning. And um, I just got there and I was like, you know, I've been out of the military a while. And I was like, you know, in the military is cool. Like the, the part of the military that I was in was really cool. Cause it was, it was like airborne operations is kind of like, is very cool. But like the regular part of the military, I mean, it, it's kind of like, it's a little different. And this military school was like, kind of like the regular part of the military. And I was like, you know, and I was in these classes and everything. And I'm like, I just don't know. I already have one master's degree and I was just not really feeling it. I'm like, I don't know if I really like the vibe of this place. And I'm like, I, I said, <laughs> you know what? I'm like, I just, I just, no, I'm just like, I'm not down with this whole thing. So anyway, I ended up resign. I just kind of like, I resigned from the program and I said, you know what? I kind of need a little like soul searching because I'm trying to figure out like what my next mm. steps were. So I got a flight and down to like Florida, down to like Cocoa beach. And, um, what was really like a cheap flight and the cab driver that took me to the airport said, you know, you need to go, you need to try to go to Costa Rica. And I said, dang, that's a good idea. And I mean, it was total. So I get down to Cocoa Beach and I was there three days and I looked up on the internet and there was like a really cheap ticket for like a hundred bucks. And I said, you know, so what? wait, 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 let's back up. So the, the taxi driver told you, was he Costa Rican or was he a surfer? No, no, he, or how, why did he yeah, even he, say that? He, well, he'd been a surfer. He was a surfer. So this dude named Scott and he, he was a surfer. Okay. And so he like, you know, because I had my surfboard okay. with me it, going to the airport and my skateboard. Right, <laughs> so, right. Got it. So, yeah. So let me let me back up because I basically like I had my little bag, like my little like I have this little decon bag that you could put your skateboard on and it's little bitty. And I just put a pile of bunch of board shorts in there. And I was like, yep. man. And I was like, you know, I got to blow this pops. I got to get out of Charleston. I'm like, I'm like you know, I got to blow this pop stand. And so I, I, you know, I, you know, I get the cheap flight and this guy, Scott picks me up at the airport. He sees, I've got my little surfboard with me. And he said, you know, where are you at? And I said, well, I'm going down to Florida. And he said, you need to go to Costa Rica. That's where the surfing's good. Cause he, he was a surfer. And so I was like, you know, that's an excellent idea. And like, you know, I was down in Cocoa beach and I was surfing and the more, and I was sitting on the wave and, and Scott's idea, you know, the cab driver's idea just kind of kept culminating in my head. And I finally get up, <laughs> got off my board and I went down and I like, 
I made my, you know, reservation and I did, I just, I flew down to Costa Rica and this was like in November, like right before Thanksgiving. And I made, this is which year last, last year or this was, yeah, just this, this last year, this is last November. And so So this is during COVID then this was during COVID. And you, and the cool thing about Costa Rica was you could travel to Costa Rica and all you had to do was buy this little insurance policy when you got there. So you, you, you would, they weren't restricting it. So I bought this like COVID policy for like a hundred bucks. And, you know, of course you had to wear a mask everywhere, but it wasn't, they weren't crazy you know, about the whole, they weren't as crazy about the COVID. And so I get down there and I went Mm. to this surf camp called Witches Rock. And that was really cool because those guys there kind of really helped me, you know, kind of take my surfing to the next level a little bit because they sort of were able, because the waves that were there in Costa Rica were a lot more sizable. And so it's kind of like, you know, when you have like the book in large print, you know, and the letters are really big. Yeah. That's kind of like the waves in Costa Rica. <laughs> They're big enough where I could actually see all this stuff. And it was really good to have those guys there. They were the surf instructors kind of like, because all the stuff Aaron had told me I had in my head, but he told me this on small waves, you know, that I'd seen on a lot of smaller waves. Right. And so now I was seeing bigger waves. and you know, yeah, the guys were, I was going out surfing. It was really cool because what they would do there is they actually had a boat. So you would paddle out, catch this out there in Tamarindo, catch this boat. And they would take you over to Playa Grande and some other beaches where the swells were bigger. And then you would jump off the boat and paddle over to the, the waves and stuff. And some of those waves were really beefy. And then afterwards they would do a video of you and then they would give you like um, a little like kind of a lesson. They would explain, you know, based on your video and I had not been videoed before. Mm. And so that really helped me. And so I stayed there in Tamarindo. I came home to see dad for Christmas and then I was, I sat and, I chopped wood for dad for three weeks because dad has this like wood burning furnace and I chopped wood and I would come in from chopping wood and I'd be sitting there talking to dad and I'd be like, dad, I'm going back to Costa Rica. And he's like, well, all right, but get on my wood chop first. So I got all his wood (laughs) chop. Well, then man, I have, I have this van, you know, this awesome Ford Transit Connect van and I decided I was going to drive down there to go back to Costa Rica. And I didn't tell my dad this because I didn't want him to freak out. I wasn't, you know, I'm an only child and everything. And even though I'm older, dad still freaks out sometimes, you know, when he, and so sure. I, I, I said, dad, I'm not going to tell him I'm driving. So I said, dad, I'm taking my van. I'll, you know, uh, he said, well, where are you going to park it? And I said, Oh, I'll, I'll park it. I just, I was, you know, I was going to park it in Costa Rica and, you know, but I'd, you know, when I got there, but I said, I'm on drive. So <clears throat> this is the funny part of the whole story. So I start driving and I left Virginia and I get down to the border of Texas 
well, where Texas and Mexico meet right mm-hmm. there in Brownsville. Well, lo and behold, I did not realize my registration on my van was expired. And so they were not going to oh, let me no. cross this border. Well, let me, let me tell you what I did. I decided to create a document. You know what I mean? So I altered yep. my registration document. Well, I tried to negotiate with the border guards here in Mexico because I forgot to tell you, several years prior, like back in the 90s, I, I went down to Mexico before and I had a small document issue and I was able to bribe the person at the border like a hundred bucks mm. and they, it was no big deal. So I said, I think I'm going to be able to settle this situation with a bribe maybe. So I'm starting to negotiate with this person and the guy said, well, wait one hour. And that's what they always say when they're going to let you bribe them to get across the border. And I waited like an hour. Well, this, this new, this, this guy that was going to let me bribe him wanted $2,500 to get. Wow. A, and I said, man, this is crazy. Yeah. I said, that's a little steep for my blood. So I said, you know what? Uh, so I went back across the border down to Padre Island, you know, and I hung out on Padre Island a minute. And West Virginia, where my vehicle was registered, they will send you, you can file for your registration online and they will email you a new registration. But because of COVID, they were backed up and I wasn't going to get that for three weeks. So I was going to have to sit there for three weeks and wait. And so I was sitting there and there's you normally you can camp for free down in Padre Island, but because of COVID, you can't camp for free now, you know, because of the situation. So I was camping and this, they had a campground down there and I was camping and I was hanging out waiting and I called my dad. He said, well, where are you? And I said, well, I'm down in Padre Island. He said, what are you doing there? And I accidentally let it slip out that I've been trying to drive down the coast. Oh, dad freaked out. He's like, oh, my goodness, you don't need to try to drive down there. Da, da, da. He said, just come on back here. And he said, I'll buy you a plane ticket back to Costa Rica and you could leave your van in my yard. And I said, hmm. And I thought about it and I says, daddy, I don't know. And so I waited a day. And I waited two days and I said, and I called a friend of mine and I said, should I do it? I hate to ask my dad. They said, well, he offered to buy you a ticket. And I said, you know what? Sold. And I drove back and I left my van in dad's yard. And I took, and what I did is I have a bike. I have a surly straggler. I said, I need transportation down there. So I, I've got this suitcase for my bike and I took my bike apart. And I put it in a suitcase and I took my surfboard down there. And, um, you know, so I was able to like, and I had a little, I got a surfboard rack on my bike and I was able to ride to the beach with my surfboard on my bike. So I didn't even need that vehicle and it was great. So, you know, I, I, I got down there, uh, January 28th back to Costa Rica and I, oh, by the way, before I left the first time, Robert August lives down in Tamarindo and he makes surfboards down there. And I had mm. ordered me a Robert August surfboard. So 
I was returning to Tamarindo to pick up, and I got it. Spec- I specified the dimensions I wanted because I wanted something a little fat. You know what I mean? But still fast. Yep. And he yep. made me a sweet board. Well, I get down there and I get the board, and I was able to like put it on my, you know, in my surfboard rack and ride to the beach every day. Well, I was down in Tamarindo for a. Um, about a month or so, and I said, you know, I want to go and see see some other parts. So I went down to Dominical, and I got this, um, I found this place to rent, and I stayed in Dominical for until June, basically, because what happened was I was wow. able, yeah, I was able to extend my time there because of COVID. The Costa Rican government right. was letting you extend and I just extended. And then while I was down there, I found out I could file for residency. So I went ahead and did that. And I tell you what's crazy is the place I was staying even had a dog in Dominical, even had a dog that came with it. Like literally there was this little dog. (laughs) Well, what happened was there was this dude that had lived there before. And he moved. Well, he tried to take his dog with him to his new place. Well, the dog didn't like the new place. So the dog just would come back and the dog liked that old house. And so the dog would just stay there. And every day I'd walk up, you know, I'd wake up and the dog would be there. So I start and the dog would follow me to the beach. So I got a little leash and the dog was like my best friend down in Dominical. And he, she and I, her name was Sally. And we would go to the beach every day and she would like hang out at the beach and she would get in the water and I would surf and then we'd go on back to the house. And very that cool. Was it. Very cool. And then amazing. That's such a great story. Well, I got one more part of it. So I get Yeah, tell my, me, tell me. This is this is kind of like the I don't know if it's the happy ending because there's no life is so long. The happy, the ending ain't till you're dead. So it's like that, you know, right. but it's a good part in happy the end, in the middle, middle. Happy middle. Happy maybe. middle. But anyway, so one of the judges from the competitions that I, I did, um, I got to be real good friends with him. They're starting to do stand up paddleboard competitions with the International Canoe Federation. He said, Hey, there's a world championship this year. And down in Hungary for a stand-up paddleboard. And I'm like, well, I've been surfing, and I bet I could operate one of these stand-up paddleboards. And so I signed up for this um, world championship stand-up paddleboard race. And I got me, there's a guy down in Virginia Beach that sells these racing boards that I know. And he sold me a stand-up paddleboard with a paddle. And while I've been here at Dad's, Cause he lives near the lake. I've been like practicing on it and I'm going to be racing in September on a stand up paddleboard. And, um, there's like a cash purse. So potentially if I do really well, I can win 30,000 like euros. I don't know. Um, but if so I you're win, going to Hungary in, in September. Yeah, man. And I'm going to race my stand up paddleboard. <laughs> so, dude, you got that's you, you. It's what a, what an incredible life you've lived. You just go from one adventure to another. I absolutely love it. 
And you listen to taxi drivers. Everyone should listen to taxi drivers. I tell you what, <laughs> especially taxi- when they tell you to go to Costa Rica. Well, you know what's crazy is people spend all these money on therapists. You know, they spend all this money on all these people. Yeah. And if you just like, I've had some of the best conversation with random people like taxi drivers because they're not partial. They don't know who you are. You know, you ain't never going right. to see them again. Like a therapist, I, I hate to say it. I don't mean to insult the profession, but they are making money and they do want mm. you to come back. Because if you come back, they're going to be able to charge you again. So there's no incentive for you not to be crazy. So the taxi cab driver, (laughs) I'm going to get up out of his cab and he's going to pick somebody else up. And so, like, you could tell a cab taxi cab driver your whole life story and they've got to, like, get to the point, give you some good advice because they got to let you out so you can catch your flight. So, (laughs) you know, I've had some of the best most i've had some of the best advice from taxi cab drivers hairdressers and even though i don't drink bartenders because you're there for just like five minutes you know i'll get my coca-cola and the bartender will also give you sometimes because they're not going to see you very often you know a quick advice you know like people that really know you you know it's harder for them to give you advice because they know your whole situation. But, you know, sometimes you can get some good advice from just random people, you know, it's good. That's awesome. I love, I love the story. Such a, such an inspiring um, history. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing more. Where can people find out more about you if they're listening to the podcast and they want to follow your journey or, See if you win that $30,000 in September. Well, it, do you I, have a place they can? Yeah. I, I, I do. I have an Instagram page. It's Tracy Hines 7770 uh, Instagram dot Instagram, I guess, however they do it. But it's like, um, yeah, that's me. And I have a little mountain. I got this picture of a mountain a few years ago and I really loved it because it's, you know, it. Well, if I use the mountain photograph for my my like image, I didn't have to comb my hair. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's like yeah. I love the mountain and okay. that's my thing. And so um now there's also a Tracy Hines okay. race car driver. That's not me. But I'm the mountain. Okay. That's not you. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes so everyone can uh, to get, can get more of your story. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing more. Thank you. Now, will there be a link uh, yeah. uh, for this podcast? That, yeah, that we'll, is- send, we'll send. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Saltwater High. Please take a moment and go leave us a review on your favorite podcast network. We'd really appreciate it and it would help spread the stoke. Also, one last reminder, go to wavetribe.com for surf gear, surf travel articles, and lots of other stoke. See you guys. See you in the water. Peace out.